You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There's no part of me that looks at Mahomes' legacy and says it's going to be altered by that game. Now, you know, the best Super Bowl Tom Brady ever played, he lost. It was the Super Bowl to the Eagles, 52, yep. uh, 41 to 33. He threw for 300 yards in the first half. He threw for 300 <laughs> yards in the first half. He statistically had his best game ever, and they lost. So, uh, look, there will, I'm, if someone wants to say Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback and is going to be the greatest quarterback of all time, I can't argue with that. It, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to get around that. But if you're asking me who has the skill set to play it better and, and play it at a higher level, right now, to me, that would be Patrick Mahomes. All right, back at it again. I missed last week, um, but uh, I know the guys held it down. I'm Ron, the show that is BK, Brandon Kylie, and uh, Steven Serta is here. Show and BK, Arrowhead Pride presents Show and BK each and every Friday. That thing gets dropped. I know Frank Clark gave y'all a whole hell of a lot. Oh, Frank Uzi Clark gave y'all a whole hell of a lot to talk about last week. Um, uh, we'll see if he's still on this team, but I... I was concerned that you all weren't going to be able to to get a lot going, but Frank Clark came through like a prince, like a white knight, and came through and gave y'all all kinds of content. He did. Um, I wish he didn't. I think we now know, Ron, why he wasn't at Chiefs OTAs. Uh, All those questions that I had about what are you doing that is better than being at OTAs with the rest of your team? Yeah, I think I know what he was doing now. Yeah, we found out what the hell he was doing. So good luck, Frank. The uh, self-proclaimed, self-believed leader of the defense, Frank Clark, showing such leadership again by carrying Uzis after just having uh, a felony gun charge uh, a little weeks before. So who doesn't, you you know, who doesn't? Hey, we're supporting you. Oh, Frank Clark's got so many nicknames. Uzi Frank, stalemate Frank, because that's what it seems to do when he goes against tackles. So uh, Frank Clark, man, appreciate you. Uh, holding it down uh uh our guy pete sweeney remember this you got to check this out uh, arrowhead pride is doing these new interview series uh this week pete sweeney he sat down with pro football network chief analyst and former espn host trey wingo trey wingo is, is a guy that has covered a ton by the way uh trey trey wingo may not be a huge fan of mine i think i i think i annoyed and angered him in an interview um he didn't seem to be very happy with him. I had a little pushback on him. He used uh, Ben Roethlisberger in a comparison to Deshaun Watson. And I, I said, well, it was a different time. And Trey kind of barked back at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if we'll ever get Trey Wingo on, but Pete Sweeney and Arrowhead Pride, their new interview series. They I have a on. good relationship with Trey, so I'll just reach out and I won't Do mention you? that you're on the show. Don't mention, and then I can surprise him. Hey, don't forget me. Forget about me. He hung, he hung up a little aggressively. So uh, 
But but he did say something, and this is not going to help our relationship with Trey Wingo because I completely disagree with him. He said something in this interview series where he said he didn't think Patrick Mahomes' legacy was affected by them losing the Super Bowl. And come on, that's ludicrous. It absolutely is affected. His legacy is the really the only one, him and Andy Reid are the only ones' legacies that was affected. And it's obviously, it is his. And I'm not going to say that it's fair, but when we talk about legacies and things, they aren't fair, all right? Because J.R. Smith's an idiot and doesn't know the time or score, yes, that affects the legacy of LeBron James, all right? Like, like things aren't fair. And, yes, nobody down the line is going to remember that he didn't have his left tackles or his right tackle or he moved a guard out to play tackles, so they had to bring in another uh, interior lineman. Nobody's going to remember that. You know what they're going to remember? Patrick Mahomes was great. He was nice. But, damn, he couldn't beat Tom Brady twice. He had Tom Brady at home and lost to him in the AFC championship game. And then he had what many people will believe the better team when you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid in their primes. And you got blown out by Tom Brady, who was 43 years old again. Of course, that is a hit to his legacy. That's interesting. Um, I, I think there's only one way in which it's a hit. I don't think he can ever be considered the go. Like, he's never going to overtake Tom Brady as the greatest to ever do it. And so if we're talking about it from that perspective, yeah, that conversation's over, I would say, for the vast majority of non-Chiefs fans now. Because You believe that, BK? You believe that, BK? It's it, like there's nothing he can do now. I mean, realistically speaking, yeah. Brady's just the, the, um, the number of rings, the fact that he did it head-to-head twice at the end of Brady's career and at the beginning of Mahomes' career – it's tough for me to believe that non-Chiefs fans, Chiefs fans, yes. yes, they will absolutely make the argument in favor of Mahomes, as they should probably eventually. Um, but I don't think outside of Kansas City, you're going to hear a whole lot of people that are making that argument. No, I think that I think this game put an end to that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I just like, but when you, I mean, that's that's the one that's a part of it. Like he was going to try to be the goat, and. I mean, that, that's just going to be hard to shake. At 41 and 43 years old, Tom Brady beat him when a lot of people would argue he had the better team. And the second go around in the Super Bowl, he had the better coach and a lot of better. And, and, I, and like I said, it's not fair because we know clearly the Chiefs were hampered and, and Patrick Mahomes was hampered because his offensive line was was not right and I do believe if it's offensive line was right that's a different Super Bowl but what people are gonna remember is he got blown out in that thing and he and and was running for his life and his numbers weren't great he was blown out against Tom Brady twice you can't say because it's not about him being Troy Aikman this thing is about him being uh, passing Peyton Manning and, and getting up into the top echelon and you think that's over? You think him passing Peyton is over? Because I don't agree with that. I, no, I, think, I don't. Th- no, I don't think it's over. I'm just saying that takes that takes a bit of. I mean, it takes a hit down. This is a lost opportunity to have gotten another Super Bowl and an appearance where he looked pretty bad in it. Right. I think that's how people are going to remember it. Like I said, I don't. I don't know that that's the case of it, but I think a lot of people are going to remember it that way. 
See, the, the, what you said there at the end is the part that I don't agree with. I don't think that he looked bad. I think Patrick Mahomes played a damn good game. I don't think he had the help around him to be able to reach his peak, right? When you, And I, I actually do think people are going to remember that he didn't have an offensive line so? in that game. Yeah, because that was the story of the game. I mean, you could have just as easily given the MVP of that game to Shaq Barrett as you could have to Tom Brady. You know, like he, he was as dominant in that game as anybody offensively for the Bucs. And I think the story going in, the story coming out, it was all the same. The story that week was, can Patrick Mahomes overcome the fact that he doesn't have his two tackles? And the story after the game was, Patrick Mahomes couldn't overcome the fact that he was without his two tackles. So I think that was huge. I mean, LeBron James beating the Warriors, is that a part of his legacy? Yeah, but a part of us remembering that year, and history remembers that he won it. That's all that matters. But a part of it was also like, yeah, the Warriors weren't whole. Draymond ended up getting himself booted for the final game. Like that, that's a part of that story as well. And so I do think that will be taken into account anytime that we discuss this Super Bowl for Patrick Mahomes. But I just think as time goes down, that people are going to like the the the, the details are going to be fuzzy. And when you look at the game, it, it it doesn't like his percent his completion percentage is awful because he had pressure all the time. He didn't. I mean, did he throw a touchdown in that game? I I, I, I don't think he threw a touchdown in that game, if I remember correctly. Like it, it it it's the numbers are going to look like a struggle, and just like I mean, we we use LeBron. I mean, why not? He's the greatest. I mean, we could lose. We could use LeBron again. Like people when they talk about his his losses, I mean, they don't say anything like about that one first uh, championship they lost to the Warriors that. He lost Kevin Love in the first series and then lost uh, 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 Kyrie Irving in the first game of the series. Yeah, it was Mandela Vadova. Yeah, yes. They just say hey, LeBron's lost eight times in the finals. Like they just say like he's lost seven times in the finals because 10, 15 years away, it's just going to be he couldn't beat Brady. And not So that's an interesting that, that's an interesting way to look at it, Ron. Like I I think this will only go that route if he continues losing more Super Bowls. If this now becomes the narrative for Patrick Mahomes' career, if he's the next Peyton Manning in some ways, and he won't be quite that because he got one early and it's so huge that he was able to get it. Um, the only way it goes the route that you're talking about is if he goes to like three Super Bowls in the next seven years and goes 0-3, and, and now it becomes, man, he got one early, but is he going to be able to do it again or is he going to be ha- have to fall short in these big games just the way he did against Tampa and the way that he did against the next three. I think it would take a lot more to happen from here for us to reach that level. Yeah, he's not done. I, I just I just disagree with Trey in the fact to think like that that people are just going to say, oh, yeah, he didn't have his offensive line. Um, they didn't have their full team. No, that, that's not how it works. We never remember things like that. We just we remember black and white like this is how it happened, right? <laughs> like this is how it, and, and so, and I think the thing we remember is man, Tom Brady. And that's why I agree with you. He can never catch Tom because what that did was Tom Brady's not even beating you in his prime. He's blowing you out when he's 43. Like <laughs> He beats you on the road in your own building at 41. Like nobody remembers D nobody's going to be talking about D Ford screwed him over. Like they're going to be saying like Tom Brady at 41 years old, winning and threw for 370 something yards 
Like that's what that's what people are going to remember. So of course his legacy is affected a lot by it because of who he lost to. He lost to Tom Brady, and it takes him out of of somebody that could really be the goat. Uh, I mean, Pat could be that. It also gave Brady the thing that so few quarterbacks have, which is going somewhere else and winning a ring. And it eliminated one of the biggest critiques of Brady, which is how much is Brady? How much is it of Belichick? So like all of the things that you might've been able to kind of needle at Tom Brady, if he ended up losing that game. Yeah. That's all off the table. Now he's got seven. Nobody else has been to more than five. He's seven and three in those games. Now, overall, he's been to 10 of them. Nobody else has been to more than five. (laughs) He's literally doubling up Tom Brady right now in appearances. So if Patrick Mahomes gets to seven of them, great. And then you're going to be number two to Tom Brady. So the only thing for me, I think it affected one thing on Patrick Mahomes legacy and that's it. The only thing it affected for me uh, in the long haul is you can't beat Brady. Brady Brady's the GOAT, but everything else for Mahomes is still on the table. And for Chiefs fans, literally nothing was impacted by that game because they're still going to be able to argue that he's the GOAT, you know? Yeah, to themselves, yeah. They'll be able to argue that he is the GOAT to themselves. <laughs> All right, uh, Field Yates. Field Yates of ESPN. He is, he's put out this article about all the teams in the NFL and who they need to sign. Who should they sign? And, okay, this is this is getting over the top. Golden Tate. Golden Tate. I don't – when's the last time Golden Tate's been healthy? Uh, Golden Tate was with the Giants, I think, last. Uh, I mean, he was pretty good with Matt Stafford and the Lions. But Golden Tate, they're saying that 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 Bill Yates is saying that's a, that's a, a player that the Chiefs should look at signing, and this this thing about the third receiver is over the top for me. I'm sorry. I listen. I'm not going to say it's not a concern at all, and I know that you all are sweating bullets. I'm Team Miko Hardman, and I'm not going any way or getting anywhere away from it. Don't you roll your eyes at me. I am Team. <laughs> that was the disgust in that eye roll from BK. <laughs> I am Team Miko Hardman. And I worded, but and, and but Golden Tate, like he's not better than Demarcus Robinson. He's not better than Miko Hardman. Hell, man, is he better than Byron Pringle? You sure? Are you sure of that? Like, let's slow down. You got Patrick Mahomes, and you got three guys there who can fill the void of of a second and third wide receiver, right? Remember, we got Travis Kelsey here, so he's like a, another wide receiver. But those three guys combined with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league, come on, man. I just think we're over-tripping over about this third receiver business. I think it's significant. We've seen it in the playoffs that when you get into the postseason, you need that third option because people are able to bracket coverage Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. And that doesn't mean that they're going to stop them, but slowing them down becomes a little bit easier. So, yeah, I've got some concerns about McCole Hardman and Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson because all of them have shown in their past that they're not reliable options. They may be able to have some flash plays. Demarcus Robinson had that great game. I think it was against was that Oakland a couple of years ago. Um, you had a really good game by McCall Hardman against Baltimore. Like they've shown flashes in the past, but it's not consistent. So who's going to be that consistent third option for you? That guy doesn't exist. Like he, he's not out there on the open market right now. The, his name was Juju Smith-Schuster, and he decided for whatever reason – to stay in Pittsburgh over coming to Kansas City. But 
if you're looking out there on the open market right now or via trade for somebody that can come in and help the Chiefs, that he's not out there. The Chiefs are just going to be thin at that spot this year. Brandon, you thought you thought this team needed a Juju like a Juju Smith shoes? They thought they did. They offered him a contract. I mean, I know they offered him a contract, but you, I mean, I don't. I, I guess we'll see. I, it, it obvious. It is obvious. I have more belief in McCole Hardman uh, than others, but I just. And maybe this is the old school thought process in me. And I'm 37 talking about old school thought process in me. I just believe in Andy and Pat. All right. I I understand the nerves about the other guys, but I just believe in Andy and Pat that with Tyreek and Travis, that they can make it work with those three, like those three I named. Would you say those would be the next in line would be Hardman, Robinson and Pringle. Those would be the next unless they're going to try this Marcus Kemp garbage, but I, I, sorry, Marcus, but I, I, I think, I think Cornell can, Powell is above, uh, above camp, but yeah, whoever it is, the rookie. Yeah. But I, I just, I trust Andy, the best play designer and caller and Pat, the best quarterback that they can make that work a third option, a fourth option off of those other two. And that the thought is you got to have somebody like, Juju or uh, whoever else that they were looking at Julio Jones, where we heard talk. I just, I just feel like those guys are good enough with those two to make that happen. And I, I, I just feel like we're overvaluing or over making that a big deal. And it will be just fine when you have those two, or maybe for me, if it isn't just fine with the talent of Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman and Byron Pringle in their third and fourth, years in the offense maybe more than that for Demarcus Robinson then maybe Andy and Pat maybe ain't just what I think they are and I don't think that's the case so it's not about the regular season like I my Chiefs analysis is all through the prism of what's this look like in the playoffs because that's where it matters for this team that's where they've arrived they are now where the Patriots were with Tom Brady there were agreed uh, the Steelers were with Ben Roethlisberger early in his career. The Ravens were for a number of years. The Packers have been with Aaron Rodgers. What happens once you get to the postseason? And for the Chiefs, what the answer has been in the playoffs is Sammy Watkins shows up in a big way. That that third receiving option for you, whether it be like including Kelsey, Tyreek, and then whoever the third option is, that guy has to step up. Because opposing teams are going to do everything they can to make sure that Tyreek and Travis Kelsey don't beat them. Now, sometimes that doesn't matter. And Travis Kelsey is just so good that he's going to get his. Or Tyreek Hill is so fast that he's going to get his. And Patrick Mahomes is so damn good that he's going to become a threat with his legs against Tennessee, for example. Like, those guys as a trio are so incredibly gifted that that's going to be enough most of the time. But there's going to come a game. There's going to come a defense coordinator. There's going to come a scheme, whatever it is, that ends up showing up where you're going to need a third option. And I don't know what round that's going to be in. I don't know if that's the Super Bowl, the divisional round. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And it's going to be a question of, for the Chiefs this year, can McCall Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, uh, Powell, Kemp, whoever that guy ends up being at the end of the season, can they step up and make those plays? Are they capable of doing that? And I just feel a hell of a lot better if it was Juju Smith-Schuster in that spot or Julio Jones in that spot. Obviously, they're more talented players, but that's what I'm talking about here. It's They can get through the regular season. They'll be good. They can get through the playoffs. They still may win the Super Bowl. It's about that margin for error. 
And it's about how teams play the Chiefs in the postseason. That's where I think that third receiver becomes so important. We saw it with Sammy Watkins a number of times. Yeah, I, and 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 I'm a lot lower on Sammy Watkins. And I and I do uh I do think that his playoff McCall, performances you're low on? Uh, well, I no, he had good performances. I'm just talking about his his skill of like his playoff performances. I think if McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson were given the opportunities of one-on-one coverage with Pat Mahomes throwing the ball and teams having to put second and third level corners on them because of the attention they've got to put to 87 and 10 that McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson can, can win those matchups with Mahomes and re and Andy Reed developing plays off of that. I think they can. And I know somebody you're really, really high on that uh, uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire involved in this too, that can help be a third option as well. I just, I just think like, of all the things with this team, Reed and Mahomes and a third receiver and another option, they can make that happen. I mean, they've got enough talented guys to make that happen. And I know some of them have put bad thoughts in your mind, fairly, with McCole Hardman you know, and, and, him, and his forgetfulness and running wrong routes. And I'm not quite confident that Demarcus Robinson still five years into it knows – the the playbook but i i like i can understand he doesn't but come on man i I, at some point like you got you got it you got to trust mahomes you got to trust like in my mind i just think of peyton and he had like guys like anthony gonzalez and brandon stokely as so here's the difference because you're right you're right like those guys are not top of the line skill well skill level and that's where like juju is probably a bad example of this because he is talented i want a guy that i know i think sammy in a lot of ways became this honestly because i don't think he's the same player now that he was when he was first drafted i think sammy is reliable i think patrick mahomes knew more often than not where sammy was going to be and that he was going to run the right route on the right play and that's something i don't know about mccall hardman or byron pringle or demarcus robinson I just don't know where they're going to be and if they're going to be running the right route or if on a go route, they're going to continue running instead of cutting their route short when Patrick Mahomes is waiting and extending the play and hoping that they get open deep, throws it deep, and then it gets intercepted because they didn't run the right route. That's the thing about guys like Anthony Gonzalez or Stokely or whoever it was with Peyton. They were always going to be in the right place at the right time. And I know that's a super cliche coach speak. But there's a reason why it's cliche coach speak. If you can get a relatively talented dude that's going to be in the right place, that's where you get those guys that kind of had the success with Peyton. Right. Yeah. I just think it's a it's an overblown thing. We'll be they'll be all right. Pat and Andy will make this work. This is crazy. Kyle Pitts, the rookie from Florida, he was drafted for one of the highest tight ends ever drafted in the NFL. He became became the highest paid tight end in terms of guaranteed money, guaranteed money in the NFL, more than Kelsey Kittle, uh, Waller, whatever his contract is, the highest paid in terms of guaranteed money. It just brings up the point of how ridiculous. And and I would say not just in football, you could even argue in sports, the most underpaid position is tight end. Travis Kelsey, and we'll take him because we all know him very well, and I believe, with my money, the best tight end in the game. 
he is severely underpaid, severely underpaid. And he should be getting paid as much as Michael Thomas, who I know maybe a year or two ago set the, the wide receiver market. It was making 20 plus Hopkins, I think, went over him. Like Travis Kelsey is as valuable as any of those top receivers. He's has as much an impact as any of those receivers with his quarterback. And listen, I think the difference that many people would look at BK and uh, sort of with, with tight ends is maybe they're not as big play capable as wide receivers and they don't score as many touchdowns and big plays and change the game like that. Well, I disagree. When you compare, especially when you compare Kelsey to somebody like like Michael Thomas and Hopkins, like he's as big play threat as those guys are. And especially when you take into account the matchup problems that he causes with with safeties or linebackers, like he's he's a big play as much as they are waiting to happen because his matchup is a bigger advantage. So uh, like when I look at a guy like Travis Kelsey. I mean, he should be getting paid as much as Tyreek, you could argue. He should be getting paid as much, especially as Michael Thomas, because he is he is every bit as valuable as those guys. Yeah, it's amazing. When you look at the the cap hit for Travis Kelsey, for 2021, he's going to be at $7.5 million, which is insane. I mean, a lot of the top receivers are closer to 20. Next year, he's at 9, and then it shoots up to 14, 16, 18. Even at the end of that deal, in 2025, when Travis Kelsey is 36 years old, and he probably won't see the end of that deal, let's be honest here. He'll either get extended and it'll go down, or he'll be done. Um, he, he's still making less in any given season than some of the top receivers around the league. I'm with you, Ron. I think Travis Kelsey is one of the most valuable non-quarterbacks in the league. I think you can make a strong case, and I would make the case that he's the second most irreplaceable player on the Chiefs number one's obviously Pat the, the position we don't there's not even an argument's being made there I think the question is like two through five or so what goes on that list I would have Kelsey number two I think I'd go Tyreek three Orlando Brown four and Tyron Matthew five I could listen to an argument for Chris Jones Chris being Jones in that top in five as well but I think that's pretty clearly for me my top six Mahomes, yeah, he, Kelsey, Tyreek, Brown, Matthew, and Jones. Yeah, I, I used to be one that thinks, boy, Tyreek, and I still do, he affects so much coverage and makes things so much easier. But Kelsey in the middle of the field does too in a major way. And there are just many times where you just can't leave him alone. You've got to to double him because he will kill his matchup even just as bad as Tyreek will kill his matchups. And they still develop into big plays, especially when they do so many things and spread him out um, like they do. And, and I think another thing with tight ends, which like, this is something that the Patriots have taken advantage of for years. They've just under under had to never had to really pay the value of Rob Gronkowski, even though he was a number one receiving threat, just like anybody else anybody else's other top receiver, Julio, uh, whoever at that time. And they just got to pay him low amounts of money to really spread around other parts. And if I, like, I know Kelsey and them have to go with it because of where the market is set, but like that, that is something that I would look to change over the next 10 years. Because another thing is tight ends seem to be able to maintain their uh, dominance even longer than wide receivers like we're talking about Kelsey into 36 37 38 like I think he's still going to be highly effective 
into his mid to late 30s in a way that receivers aren't. Like, I don't think he's going to fall apart or, or look completely different like a Larry Fitzgerald does up into his 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 30s. And I think Waller, I would put in that that category out of uh, out of L.A. or uh, Las Vegas. Uh, obviously, uh, George Kittle. Maybe there are some others. I like Jonu Smith. I don't know if he's quite up there with them, but those guys are are as effective to me as some of these wide receivers. You can't sell me that Stefan Diggs, and I know he's good. You can't sell me he's more valuable than Travis Kelsey. You just, just can't at all to me. And even if you wanted to try, I mean, the list of receivers that's up there is not more than five deep. And there's more than five guys making significantly more at the receiver position than what Travis Kelsey is at. I mean, last year, Travis Kelsey was second in the league with 1,416 yards. Second. Yes. Like, forget and position. And he skipped a game. And he skipped a game. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. If you're looking at targets, he was top seven in the league. Um, what he did last season in particular was he became automatic. It's third and five. You need five yards to clinch the game. You're going to Kelsey because he's going to get it for you. He's going to he's going to do that little button hook. He's going to stop right in front of the linebacker. You know exactly where it's going. The defense knows where it's going and they can't stop it. There's nothing they can do to stop it. And that's what's become so special about Kelsey early on in his career. He was more of a big play threat. Like that's kind of what he was as a player. And as he's kind of progressed, he's almost and I know we've we've kind of brought up LeBron's name too many times probably in this podcast, but it's okay. It's all right. (laughs) It is what it is. He's kind of become LeBron in that he dictates the speed of the game in a way that's really fascinating. Like Kelsey can speed up and slow down in a way at his age that's really unique. And it kind of brings me back to, I think it was before the 2019 season, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He had that ankle surgery and he had said the year prior that he was just never truly 100%. And I wonder if what we watched last year was for the first time in a few years, Travis Kelsey at 100%. And man, that was special to be able to watch. And I hope we get to see more of that as he continues. Yeah, it's just crazy. There's no way Kyle Pitts should come in and get more guaranteed money than those guys. And they've got to take a look at that. Because, like I said, Travis Kelsey making 13, 14 per compared to Michael Thomas making 20 plus is crazy to me. It, everything you just stated is what Drew Brees would look for with Michael Thomas and what Watson and Kyler Murray look for with DeAndre Hopkins. And this is the same thing that Patrick Mahomes does with, with, with Travis Kelsey. And it's, I also think by the way, Kelsey deserves, like if you're a chiefs fan, Kelsey deserves a little credit as well. I think he's taken a little bit of an undermarket value deal pretty much well, he every time he's come up. And we don't talk about him that way. We normally talk about the quarterbacks as guys that are willing to take a hometown discount. I think Travis Kelsey did it, not just once, but twice in his Chiefs career. I don't think he's going to be a guy that ends up holding out. He's really never been anybody that's spoken publicly about that stuff in the past. I think what you're seeing is this is going to probably be the final contract, or maybe he gets one more. Um, and he's happy with where he's at. So he's making $14 million per season, and I don't think you're going to hear him complaining about it, which is awesome. And I remember when Kelsey signed this last extension that uh, I remember Joel Corey like flat out stating his agent should be pissed. Like, There's no way his agent agreed to this deal. Travis Kelsey cut the Chiefs a deal, and that's apparent based on what he's getting paid now. No, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's insane. So, yeah, that's... 
That's just that's just ridiculous to me. Kyle Pitts, you gotta be kidding me. He hasn't even done a damn thing in the league yet. Uh, it's just maybe Mel Kiper Jr. got him got him that money. Many uh, many folk, no one's sleeping on Travis Kelsey in terms of his skill level and the player he is. But I know BK, there is a chief who you believe is being slept on right now and could be a huge huge key factor that we're not really given a lot of thought to that could really really change this offense yeah so in, in fantasy football i know Serta would certainly know about this there's something called a post-type sleeper where like two three years into a receiver's career especially you'll have a guy that has that breakout season right he, he kind of he struggled early on wasn't getting the playing time didn't have the quarterback for whatever reason it wasn't working out for him and then he blows up and people are in on those guys early in the drafts or earlier than you would expect them to be because they believe that's going to happen I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a really good chance to be that guy this year for the Chiefs. He was going in some drafts in the first round last year after Damian Williams decided to opt out of the season, and I think that backfired on a lot of people who took him early. So as a result of that, you've seen a lot of people be like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, I don't know that he's going to be great. Well, the Chiefs upgraded their offensive line in a huge way this offseason. They have spoken publicly about how they got him. They want to get him more involved in the passing game. And the number one reason why I think Chiefs fans were excited about Clyde coming out of LSU was his ability to play in the passing game, both from the backfield and even lined up in the slot. If this team is devoid of talent at the receiver position, like I think they are after Tyreek Hill, he's going to have to step up in a big way in the passing game. So whether it be from a fantasy perspective or just as a Chiefs fan watching the games, I think we're in for a monster Clyde Edwards-Alaire season, like 1,500-plus okay. yards from scrimmage. I think it's totally in play for Clyde this year. We'll, I agree we'll, with we'll BK see. so much right now. I know you could. Um, this has to be all fantasy oh, for you. Oh, yeah. I do thousands, thousands of mock draft simulations before the NFL season. I've gotten Clyde Edwards-Alaire in like every one of them because people are sleeping on Clyde. Where's he going? Is he going like second, third? He's going in the third round in most fantasy drafts, and he's an every down running back. I don't. He should be going a lot higher, and that's why I keep winding up with him because I'm all about the value, and Clyde is an incredible value this year. Ron, he had 1,100 yards last year in 13 games from scrimmage. The thought to me is, is, is Andy going to make him a priority? Like, are they going to make him a priority to where they feel the need in a, in a, in a bigger way than they did last year that we got to get him involved like that? That's a guy we got to have. We got to get involved. We're going to make a point in multiple portions of the game that he has to get touches. And I don't think Clyde was that way. And, And it'll be interesting to see with Travis, with, uh, Tyreek and with Pat Mahomes, if they look at saying he's going to be a priority, and 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 that's that's just something I I want to see first before I start thinking 1500, 1600 yards with him because I don't know if they made him a priority going at every game saying Clyde's got to get this amount of touches. I don't know, man. I I I think he can be. Um, if you're looking at if you're looking at their priority list, I mean. Obviously, Kelsey and Tyreek are going to be one, two on that list. Who's going to be third over Tyreek or, or, or over uh, Clyde? I, I think he's pretty clearly the third guy that they would be looking to get involved. Like last year, I think they probably came into the season with these are Sammy plays as, as kind of a gadget player. He's going to get these touches. We're going to make sure we manufacture these touches for him. 
I think you're going to see some of those go to Clyde this year instead. And I would argue it's Pat. Like, it's just, all right, let's put the ball in Mahomes' hand in the passing game and potential big play. Now, Clyde could be involved in that. But when you when it comes to that, I don't know if it means, like, this is the number we're calling for Clyde. In my mind, I'm wondering, are they going to be going to games and saying, we got to get 12 to 15 carries for Clyde, and we want to get, with screens or whatever, four more touches and we're trying to get up to make it a point that he's reaching and nearing 20 touches a ball game. I don't know if that was their priority last year. And I wonder if that will be, and if that's the priority where they really want to get him touches and involved, I could see that happening. Oh, and I I think that this year they are going to try to do that. I think he's going to be a lot more involved in the passing game. And it, it seemed apparent to me that he just wasn't involved in it last year because I think that they were throwing a lot at him out of the gate and he just didn't pick it up as quickly as they wanted him to. So they just flat out didn't trust him to do it because and we saw them use Kareem Hunt that way his rookie season. That's why people were willing in their fantasy drafts to go draft Clyde in like the top five. It's because they saw what Kareem Hunt did as a rookie. They saw what Kareem Hunt was doing in 2018 with this offense before they cut him. And it was top three to five running get best running backs in the NFL. And maybe Clyde's not as talented as Kareem Hunt, but Clyde's still a really good NFL running back, and he could still be a huge contributor to this team. I think there's no reason to believe that his numbers aren't going to go significantly up this season. Yeah, the crazy thing to me has always been with Clyde's usage, or at least last year, the number one skill set that he brings to the table is in the passing game. He was a pretty solid pass blocker at LSU, and he was a fantastic route runner and pass catcher in general in his time at LSU. And then he gets to the Chiefs, and he's used as like a two-down grinder, which didn't make any sense. Like, if you're going to take that guy in the first round, the reason you do so, the entire value of having that guy on your roster is to use him in the passing game. And last year, they didn't do that. So there had to have been a reason why. I'm with you, Serta. There had to be a specific reason why they decided to go that route. And my guess is he just didn't pick up on it as quickly. There were times when you could tell that his um, his stature, frankly, was a problem for him. There were a few passes that were just outside of his frame. He couldn't quite go out and get it. So he talked about how he's been working on that. He's trying to expand his catch radius. And all of these things are going to play into why I do believe you're going to see more of him. I think he's going to line up in the slot a little bit. I think you're going to see more of those screens that you talked about, Ron. I think he's going to be a featured part of the passing game this year, where last year it'd be third down and you could do it like clockwork. It was going to be Daryl Williams coming into the game. I think you'll still see some Daryl, but I think you're going to see a hell of a lot more Clyde this year than you did a year ago on thirds. All right. It's always fun to get it and hang out with uh, these guys. Check our podcast out each and every Friday. We drop it early in the morning. And make sure you're listening out for uh, Pete Sweeney as he's doing these interview series. Trey Wingo coming up. It it, uh, it won't disappoint. Uh, You know he's got all kinds of information, draft heavy, NFL heavy. Uh, So uh, make sure you're looking out for that. BK Serta, it's always a fun time hanging out with uh, you guys and talking Chiefs. Can't wait to do it next week, baby.
right. Let me uh let me grab I need to give somebody an umbrella real quick. Let me <laughs> let me jump to the door real quick. Not sure what that signal means. This one? <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking about from Cerna. I'm not sure what he's like <laughs> nodding me. Like Uh no, I just I didn't I had myself muted. 